0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe.
1: Well, hello, Jonathan. How are you this week?
0: I am doing well. It looks like winter finally got to uh, this part of the country, and it's been pretty cold here. So, after the very warm Christmas (laughs) period we had...
1: Yes, it's been very cold here as well. So it was really weird at Christmas time going out to seventy degree weather, and then now that all the holiday festivities are over, now we just get to freeze.
0: <laughs> always winter, um, never Christmas. Now,
1: at, yes, at this point, I, I always feel like I either want Christmas or snow. If it's not one of those, well, you then a i little would bit of snow
0: this week. Flopped. I saw some pictures. It was some, some flakes. Just was a bit it. of flurries. It didn't really do anything?
1: Yeah, enough. Enough to get my kids yes. really excited, but not enough yep. to cancel anything. So. All
0: right. Well, uh, another slow week kind of in the SBC. Everybody's still kind of, I guess, digging out from everything that happened over the over the break and, and being out. So uh, kind of a slow news week this week. But some big news uh, regarding the cooperative program and giving.
1: Yes. Uh, just got released a couple of days ago that the um, cooperative program – Is one point two six percent ahead of this same time uh, last year at the end of two thousand fourteen. So it was a news release that went out on Wednesday of this week um, that said October one through December thirty one.
0: Yeah, the first quarter of the fiscal year, basically.
1: Right. um, It the executive committee received forty five. $1,762,032.53. Million seven hundred sixty-two thousand thirty-two dollars and fifty-three cents.
0: Yeah, not fifty-two cents, not fifty-four cents,
1: but 53, 53.
0: 53 cents.
1: Yes, um, and so when they look at last year, when they compare it year to year, it's one point two six percent above.
0: Yeah, last year they had gotten forty-five million one ninety-three nine eighty and seventy-one cents.
1: Yes, um, so that's a uh, that's about ninety-eight percent of what's budgeted year to yeah. date. So, very close, hovering and very yes.
0: Yeah, and so we've been talking about how CP giving has been up over budget for the longest time, and this is the first time I think I can remember since we started the podcast where we've been below budget. Right. That that kind of raised a you know raised a flag over here. So I went back and looked at last years, and you know we were over what we'd given last year, but last year it was only at ninety six point one six percent of budget, and we ended the year above budget. So this seems to be a pattern where in December the budget, uh, the corporate program giving to budget usually drops a little bit and then picks up in the new year. So it's, it's entirely possible that that could be because the budget is set for what they are predicting state budgets to be. And they just haven't kicked in yet because those kick in in January.
1: Right. So it's, I mean, it's just hovering a little bit under 98.15%. Yeah.
0: But better than it was last year. Last right. year better was Better than it was last
1: year. Yeah, and so it's uh, what we saw last year. Like you said, is it kind of surged ahead. So I think we can watch and see if that that same thing uh, will happen. And it should this year. It should mm-hmm. because yeah, I expect it
0: because we had a bunch of big jumps in CP giving, especially Florida being the the big one, forty two to fifty one percent. So it was right. a big jump in Florida. So that big jump in Florida should make up the difference easily, uh, probably on its own uh, in the first month or two. And then the other states that jumped up, too. So all those little bitty jumps will add up. And in January, whenever that number comes in, I would expect us to even swing two or three, maybe 4% above, depending on uh, how the budget was set. You know, kind of estimating those budgets. But uh, I would I would see a big swing, I would think, in January when the new allocation formulas go into effect in the states.
1: Yeah, and that that'll be great. Definitely something to look for.
0: Yeah. So uh, we'll just kind of keep an eye on that one. And uh, 1st of February, we should know, and, and hopefully we're right on that. You know, uh, That yeah. would mean that, that giving is still sustained and still ahead of uh, what we were wanting and um, kind of needing to happen. So we've seen Lottie Moon, everything I'm hearing from Lottie Moon giving, I, I don't know if you've talked to anybody, but I'm seeing church after church after church still just blowing through their goals. Uh, I was talking to Micah Freeze the other day. Micah's the interim pastor at... First Baptist Jackson in Mississippi, and they gave nearly 700,000 to a lot of them. Last year, their biggest goal, uh, their biggest gift ever was last year, and it was around 550, 560, yeah. somewhere in there. So they were about 200,000. Oh, I'm sorry, about 100, 125,000 over last year.
1: Yeah, I think everybody's setting records. So I'm looking forward to seeing that one and ho- and looking forward to seeing it sustained that next year we see the same type of thing yeah. that we've seen this year.
0: Hoping so. Uh, we'll see what happens uh, in the future, and uh but everything right now you know we got that positive trend so right all right, moving on some new year data from lifeway research God rings high in new year 's resolutions that, that's that's positive I
1: yes, I would say so um, so obviously, this is always the conversation at the beginning of the year is what is your new year 's resolution, and so lifeway research asked. Um, Americans, what topics have you addressed with New Year's resolutions in the past? And as I think is probably no surprise, 57% said health, because that's usually what you hear. I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to um, eat better, things things of that nature. Uh, but coming in second at 52% said relationship with God.
0: And, and those are the only ones that more than half the respondents chose.
1: Yeah, very, very interesting. Um, very positive, this was a survey of one thousand Americans, so uh, Scott McConnell's quoted in this release just saying you know that that people have time at the holidays to think, they think about what they value but are not living out so when you know in the new year's resolution is about saying what do I want to change, and they say this and and so their relationship with God still ranks really high, and that's Americans. That's not Protestants. That's not Southern Baptists. That's not you know. You think that's Americans. So I think that's very encouraging. Yeah,
0: I also thought the relationship with family member. I did not expect that to be so high, but I, I thought yeah. that was encouraging as well. It's a I, yeah, fourth at forty two percent.
1: I do too. I do too. Um, so do you make New Year's resolutions, not, Jonathan? Not really. I I don't think I I really don't either. Except I have you have time off and you have kind of you. You're just thinking and you're able to think. And so new habits usually can
0: yeah. pop
1: up. I, I kind of do January that. Fresh start. Yeah. Fresh start. And,
0: and I use it usually as a, a time to reset. Like I cleaned my office this week. Right. I mean, organized it. I mean, it was it gets cleaned routinely by our cleaning crew. but
1: No, I, you know what I mean,
0: I, I kind of organized I, it, put things away, kind of got things straightened yes. up because... Uh, just because yes. of the craziness of the holidays, and we did the same thing at my house. You know, we didn't really make a resolution to clean up the kitchen, but we organized the kitchen and everything. So we got 2016. Right, did the same thing.
1: Yeah, did the same thing with my wild closet. wild start,
0: a lot of cleaning. That's what you do when you're in your 30s. That's like New Year's resolution when you're in your 30s is you, you pick yes. up.
1: <laughs> you do. I spent New Year's Day organizing my closet. So oh, wow, that's that's. Next time what you're
0: you in town, do. you can come over here and organize the closets here.
1: That sounds great. I've still got a lot of closets left, so <laughs> anyway.
0: Big, big house with lots and lots of closets.
1: Yes, but very interesting data from from LifeWay research.
0: All right, now, moving on to something that you may not expect to hear on the SBC This Week podcast, the Catholic school ordered to hire gay employees. Why is this relevant, Amy? Tell us.
1: Well, this is very relevant um, because this story, it, it popped up in Baptist Press, obviously, They caught it and knew that it was important to run, um, and it caught my attention immediately. So here's the story. Massachusetts State Court ruled in mid-December in this case about a Catholic school. It's an all-girls college prep school. It's in Milton, Massachusetts. They offered a job uh, to a gentleman as a food service director in summer 2013. Mm -hmm. Um, So they offered the job to him when he filled out a new employee form he listed a husband as an emergency contact, which obviously sort of signaled to them, this is not what, you know, there's something that we didn't anticipate. So they rescinded the offer and said, the Catholic belief is that marriage is between one man, one woman, and we require our employees to model Catholic values. So he said, I'm going to, let's go to court. Um, this ruling from the Superior Court in Massachusetts says that they violated state law that prohibited denying employment on the basis of sexual orientation, that he had suffered denial of employment, that the reason was his sexual orientation, and um, uh, the gender discrimination thing seems a bit of a stretch to me. He was denied yeah. a job for marrying a person whom a female could have married without suffering the same consequences. Yeah, that's that, a, that a bit of a stretch. of a stretch there. Um, but... Here's why this is important, is this is a private institution that was acting in accordance with their confession of faith. Mm -hmm. Now, they do have a non-discrimination law that offers an exemption to religious organizations, but they say that only applies, the court only applies that to organizations that limit enrollment to members of their own religion. So since the school will accept non-Catholic students, they don't get the exemption according to this judge. Yeah. Also, the ministerial exception that will give discretion didn't apply because he wasn't a minister.
0: Mm-hmm. And this goes back to that the ADF lunch that we went to.
1: Yes, yes. So you you now are looking at and tons of organizations like this, uh, private faith based organizations have positions at all levels that are not do not fit in the ministry. So what? what really struck me is that their requirement was in accordance with their confession of faith. This should jump out to all of us. Um, because it's very easy to kind of roll along and say, Hey, it's all good. We're protected by this and this, uh, cases like this need to alert us Mm -hmm. that, um, the rules are changing in a lot of places. And so, um, so I, I, the second I saw this come across, I, I couldn't, I just couldn't get over it. Just trying to break it down in my mind. Uh, obviously, I mean, they're we're, we're going to see this pop up again. Um, they're actually saying that their next step is going to be um, a hearing on monetary damages. So they're they're going to try to go. Even yeah, he's
0: he's really not wanting further. his job as a cook at the school, really. Right. I mean, right. That, that's where it is now. Uh, But but I mentioned that ADF lunch. In that lunch, he talked about how churches with schools were in, that was a place that would open them up to these kind of lawsuits. If they didn't have it clearly marked in the job descriptions that the teachers, the staff, whoever it was, that the duties that they carried out had to, like, align with the faith statement of the institution. Yes. So that was that was like a big loophole that a lot of churches and uh, this institution right here. I mean, it, I don't know how you get something you know cooked to the glory of God, uh, you know, in the Catholic um, Church. I, I don't know how that yeah. works. I don't know what you what kind of language, but that's the exact kind of language that they were talking about at that Alliance Defending Freedom lunch that you and I went to. And uh, right. I, I cannot stress enough for pastors and administrators to check out that Alliance Defending Freedom. Website and get that information. They've got a big free packet on how yeah. you can protect yourself from lawsuits like right. this.
1: This is the time to kind of get things in order. Oh, yeah. Because um, there are so many places for vulnerability uh, in this. So yes, very, so very First of in clean story. your
0: closets and your kitchen and get your job descriptions up to date yes. uh, for your church, uh, especially the churches with daycare centers, with schools, uh, even, you know, with people that you're hiring at the church for, maybe it's, you know, this was a cook. You know, uh, we have a lot of churches that do Wednesday night meals or have kitchens that yeah. they, you know, have full-time employees for in the, in the Southern Baptist Convention especially. So it's just something to kind of watch out for. Check that out at Alliance Defending Freedom at their website and uh, and get that, that free resource that they have and make sure your church is compliant.
1: Definitely. Um, all right, moving on to... Other news, uh, in Texas, it was announced that Dr. Stephen Smith of Southwestern Seminary would be joining the staff at Prestonwood Mm -hmm. uh, Baptist Church as special assistant to the pastor.
0: Yeah. So, uh, he's not leaving Southwestern. Absolutely not. There was a little confusion whenever that kind of came out because it it came out a little bit scattered on social media. I mean, there wasn't like an official press release or announcement or anything like that. It just kind of, it was announced at the church and, um... So, congratulations to Stephen Smith, and you know he will be staying at Southwestern. Actually, just returned from a sabbatical that he took in 2015. So, uh, so I'm tweeting about that this week, first day back in the office. So, uh,
1: yeah, really, really exciting news there. And uh, uh, everything I know of him is uh, just he does great a great job at Southwestern, and I know he will be a real blessing to Prestonwood. So that's exciting news for everyone.
0: One more news item before we get into the history part of our program. The insider movements book is uh, kind of receiving some some criticism, Amy.
1: Yeah, so uh, basically, the there were eight missiologists in the Southern Baptist Convention. They were at di- a lot of different schools. So, um, Dr. Ibrahim that we we talked yeah, about him we did. It's not, it's uh, a while back. Whenever mm-hmm. he it was announced that he would be coming to Southern, uh, he's the professor of Islamic studies at Southern Seminary. Uh, Dr. Ant Grinnem, who is here at Southeastern, uh, teaches missions and Islamic studies. Uh, also, some other professors at uh, southwestern, Chris Wall, um, Boys some, College. Yeah, Boys College. Uh, several people. Keith Idle was involved in this. A lot of a lot of folks participated in this response, and basically, they just said when this came out, it, it had been highly anticipated, um, and uh, When this came out, they really found this to be uh, not just incorrect missiology or missiology they disagreed with, but really dangerous missiology. Um, Said it's uh, theologically dangerous, missiologically incorrect, particularly relating to the evangelization of Muslims. So all eight contributors to this uh, response, they're all evangelical experts on Islam. And they just hit in a lot of different areas. So there's a story uh, story on Baptist Press. It started when Dr. Ibrahim um, first published a review on the Gospel Coalition website. But then uh, there's a, an eight-part post. Uh, it's a collective response to understanding insider movements. And it's been put out in several different places. So we'll put the link to the Baptist Press story. Yeah. And then also uh, uh, you can Gospel go Coalition to... post, yeah. Right, Gospel Coalition post. You can also go to the Jenkins Center at Southern Seminary. We posted it here uh, at, at our site for the Center for Great Commission Studies, so you can actually see the response and really understand all the different the different issues and all the all and when I say eight parts, it's all of the responses together in, in those posts. So each one of these people uh, explaining the the issues, but this is a major a major thing. It's a very substantive response. Um, and what i what I really appreciate is seeing uh these people working together across institutions about something uh, that is of great concern and uh so that's just that's just a great thing to see and that's I think what we do best
0: that's a good point amy and that kind of wraps up the the short news program of the week uh just not a whole lot going on yet I think people are still kind of getting things together after the break. And uh, I, I bet things will pick up soon. It, it never seems to to be too slow in the Southern Baptist Convention. No. Uh, but that's going to bring us to my favorite part of the week. This week in SBC history, Amy, blow our minds.
1: So this week, very interesting. And like I said, I'm always looking for things, whether it's major news, things that change the direction of the denomination, or even just little nuggets. I just thought this was kind of fun uh, where it popped up. I was looking back in old Baptist Press issues and realized that in 1985, this week actually January 9th through the 11th was when the executive committee uh, moved into their building on oh. 901 Commerce Street, yeah. right across from you guys.
0: Mm-hmm. My office used to look right at the front door.
1: Yes, I could keep yes. tabs
0: on who was coming and going.
1: So, so they they were in several different locations. I think they shared some space with the Baptist Sunday School Board uh, back in the day. I think there were times maybe at least some of the offices were in Sullivan Tower. From what I can tell, I was kind of looking back. At this point, they had been located on in Nashville on James Robertson Parkway, okay. right around, uh, for those of you who are in Nashville, kind of around the corner uh, from downtown downtown. Near where News Channel 5, the local CBS affiliate, right next door to that. Um, the, the build, that building now is owned, I think, by the state. And so they have different offices in there. So they didn't the capital, move that. Down
0: the hill from the Capitol. Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: So they didn't move that far, but, um, but it, it, it came time. I think they just needed to, to make a change and, and relocate. So I'm going to include the story from back before in 1983 where they announced it. Uh, that at the time, they uh, they were financing or they were built at the time they were building uh, the Commerce Street. It was a seven point five million dollar building. Um, that's what they recommended to the messengers in nineteen eighty three at the SBC, and they had been preparing it, studying um, for more than two years to house the executive committee. Christian Life Commission at that time, Education Commission, Historical Commission, Stewardship Commission, Southern Baptist Foundation, and the Seminary External Education Division. So, you know, it's kind of a a common thing. A lot
0: of those uh, (laughs) uh, groups are no longer in existence.
1: Yes. Uh, But in 1985, that's when they actually packed up the boxes, moved down the street and started uh, a whole new host of experiences and memories in that building. A lot of stuff has uh, happened in the last 30 years, and at least in that location, it all started this week in SBC history.
0: So, 30 years ago, they moved into the Baptican.
1: That's correct.
0: Wow, that's amazing. I, I didn't. I I knew the story behind uh, the building of it and the cost and everything. I think that's in the Lifeway story. Um, book that Jimmy Draper had penned a few years ago um because lifeway gave him the the land for that that lifeway owned that land and yeah. I, I think sold it to the land to the uh, s b c for a dollar or something like that, or donated it It was one of those kind of things where um they just gave them the land there
1: for that building so yeah some something like that um it It was interesting because where it popped up was I was looking at old stories, and this is one of the my favorite things I do every week. And I look back in Baptist Press articles, I look in IMB archives, look at just all around just for things that are interesting. Uh, But in this one, I hit on these archived issues, and there was this big notice at the top that says, we're moving and we won't publish on regular schedule. Here's our new address, basically. Okay. Uh, So that was just, I thought, well, that's interesting. They, you know, moved on these days. So um, I've never known the SBC to be anywhere else, and so... Kind of cool, yeah
0: that is that's kind of neat um I'm with you i the whole time I've ever been involved with the s p c it's always been there, obviously uh we're not really old enough to to know any other place, so correct um, yeah and, and actually, I, I guess I was all the seminaries i mean and, and locations of everything that's all we've known really, and lifeway will be the i guess the first one that is gonna change, and then uh well, actually, I guess Golden Gate will change first right um, this this year, and then lifeway maybe at the end of next year. Uh, I'm not sure if any others will will change after that. So, mm-hmm. I guess Guidestone yep. would be the other one that that'd be most mobile. Yeah, you know, Guidestone. I yeah. guess in the executive committee, YRLC, those guys that are in those those areas. Um, Nam did they used to have? They used to have a different place, didn't they? Before they built the the home mission board had a different office, but that's way yeah, back.
1: The, yeah, yeah. And I don't. I have no clue about that. Oh. I have to go digging around. Okay. Maybe I can find the date they moved. Yeah,
0: and I think WMU <laughs> was in the early 80s as well maybe mid to, nah. 80, mid to late 80s, maybe 80, somewhere in there. And I'm guessing just by the looks of IMB, it's been there for a while too, so.
1: Right. Well, this was back in the day when the only Southern Baptist location I knew about was the actual store.
0: Oh, the Baptist, the Baptist store.
1: Sunday school store. Yes, the Baptist bookstore. Hmm. That's it. I knew that in, in Nashville and, and that's all, wow. but all right. anyway.
0: Well, uh, moving on then, our resources of the week. My resource of the week this week, Actually, just started last uh, last night. We were recording this on Thursday. Aired, for the first time, Wednesday night, uh, Beth Moore's Living Proof Live uh, TV show. So, she's got a new TV show. Comes out every week, I think, at 9 o'clock Central, so 10 o'clock Eastern. You can check your local listings. There's a link here on uh, the website for uh, Beth's page at her website, giving you more details about where you can find it and watch it. But uh, she's got a 30-minute show we sat around the house watched it last night it was uh, had a good time and you know it was it was kind of neat to see what goes on at these big arena events that she sells out all over the country and uh, you know taking them and put it on TV now so yeah uh, a lot of women will well, be able to experience that
1: absolutely and she will be used to proclaim the gospel to just tons and tons more people so uh, I'm very excited for you guys and for her about that. Yeah, Lifeway
0: is partnering with that and uh, sponsoring that. So uh, we're excited about it at Lifeway. And uh, kind of the news kind of broke over the Christmas break. And then, you know, first show aired last night. So you can catch it every Wednesday night, uh, depending on your time zone. So 10 Eastern, and you just kind of backtrack it across your time zones wherever you listen to this. And you can catch it on Wednesday nights. And um, one little nugget that I noticed last night when they were talking about the show and Living Proof Live, and you know, I didn't even realize this, she's had a Living Proof Live in every state in the U.S. All 50 states have hosted no a Living Proof Live event. Wow. It's like Rhode Island, New Hampshire, Idaho, Montana, I mean, North Dakota, all of them. Alaska. She's been to every state. Some states that you would be like, how you know, how in the world or where in the world, but or where? She packs them out.
1: That oh, I'm sure. I have a huge amount of respect for her.
0: Yep, she's a great lady. Huge amount.
1: Yeah, very, very incredible. She displays the grace of Christ every moment. So. All
0: right, Amy. What's your resource of the week?
1: Mine is a. Uh, it's a podcast. We we uh, bring those up every now and then, and it is the Kingdom Diversity Podcast that is uh, hosted by Walter Strickland and Malik Blade out of our Kingdom Diversity Initiative office here at Southeastern Seminary. And they are at events all the time and get opportunities to sit down with a ton of people, get a lot of great perspectives. Uh, One of the components of our Kingdom Diversity Initiative at Southeastern is just to, um, to educate, to be a resource on issues related to uh, to diversity, to kingdom diversity, to what it means to reconciliation, uh, things like that. And so they're doing a great job with that. And uh, you can subscribe on iTunes, and I highly recommend it.
0: And, and I heard that there's a rumor that you're going to be on there soon.
1: Yes. I don't know when. I, I know we've got a taping scheduled this week. So uh, I'm excited, looking forward to, to being part of that.
0: All right. Well, very cool. All right. Well, that's our resources of the week. Amy, February is going to be a busy month for the SBC. It sounds kind of crazy that that would be that, but uh, I know LifeWay's got trustee meetings in February. uh, The first part, at the end of the month, we have the executive Executive committee Committee. big meeting Mm -hmm. here in Nashville, their big winter meeting. So that'll be a a while. And hopefully we won't have crazy weather like we did last year. That one really suffered some really, probably the worst weather we've had since I've been to Nashville. And people couldn't make it. There were flights canceled and people stuck and frozen uh, snowed in. I mean, Dr. Rayner couldn't even get downtown to the meetings. So, um, you know, for the ones traveling in from out of town, it was even more difficult. So, uh, hopefully, i have be ready for that. Do y'all have trustee meeting in the in the spring?
1: Um, no, ours are in April. Okay. So. Yeah, uh, big event, big things coming up in the next few weeks. Of course, here we have we're getting ready yeah, the Go for the Fargo conference. Go conference. Yeah. Talked about that. Uh, Evangelicals for Life. That's coming yes, up. Yes, two next weeks, few from, weeks as well.
0: Two weeks, I think. Uh, that one is yes. in DC. So be praying about that with the ERLC. Right. They've got that going on up in Washington DC.
1: And all the seminaries as well as yep. uh, state Baptist colleges, they're all starting classes up again. Uh, folks are getting back and so it's big time for that as well
0: yep it is and uh also remember the uh, still the changes going on at imb so probably some more announcements coming soon from them on that and uh who knows what else may come in the spc but we'll be here on spc this week to cover it every week so we'll see you next week
1: sounds great see you next week